Well, during uh, these weeks of counting the Omer, as I said last week, we want to focus a little bit on uh, the finished work of Messiah Yeshua in his death, resurrection, and ascension, uh, really focusing on his ascension. That means uh, 40 days after the resurrection of Yeshua, he ascended, he went up uh, into the cloud, uh, into the heavens, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And last week, uh, we began to talk about that, focusing on Psalm 110 in verse 1. And we read, just to refresh our memory, in Psalm 110 verse 1, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make thine enemies a footstool for thy feet. And we talked last week about how that passage was understood uh, as talking about King Messiah and how Yeshua understood it as talking about himself. And we read in the, breast, the rest of the Brit uh, Chadasha scriptures uh, that this verse clearly describes Yeshua as Lord, as King, and as Messiah. Uh, and we talked about the fact that he truly is our king, and there is a real particular reality to that. So today we want to continue uh, that thought of the kingship of Messiah and what it means uh, to us. You know, the idea of kingship really is not something new to the Bridhat Hashah, and, and not only a promise of that a day will come when there will be a king, but God has always been viewed by the Jewish people as our king. You know, when we pray, almost every prayer, every benediction is, Baruch Atah Adonai, blessed are you, O Lord, Eloheinu, our God, blessed are you, O Lord, our God, uh, Melech Ha'olam, king of the world. We say universe, king of the universe. Uh, he is king of the universe. He's king of everything. Uh, but Olam, the king of the world. Uh, and you know how we talk about the, the future, the Olam Haba, the world to come? Well, when we pray, we're acknowledging God as our king. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech Olam. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, king of the universe. We call him king. And so in Judaism, God truly is uh, indeed understood already as reigning in a world that really doesn't acknowledge him. Uh, and so the coming of the Messiah and reigning as our messianic king should come in a sense as no surprise uh, from a Jewish perspective. And of course, all of this happened in the context of Jewish history. There are a number of scriptures, especially in the Psalms, where we worship God already reigning as the king. For example, in Psalm 24, in verses 1 and 2, the earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. You know, what's interesting about that passage is that God is king of the real world. <laughs> you know, where it says he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the uh, the rivers. The earth is the Lord's. Uh, the earth, the world that we live in is the Lord's and all it contains. The world and those who dwell in it. That's why we say, blessed are you, O Lord, our God, king of the world. 
king of the universe. In Psalm 103, in beginning in verse 19, we read, The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his sovereignty rules over all. Bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength, who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you who serve him, doing his will. Bless the Lord, all you works of his, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul. You know, when when we read, bless the Lord, O my soul, we're talking to ourselves. Bless the Lord, my soul, myself. Bless the Lord. Give God thanks. Uh, And here he's talking about angels, celestial beings, the entire created world of God, visible and invisible. God's throne is in the heavens. So when you put Psalm 24 and Psalm 103 together, we see that uh, the earth is the Lord's and all it contains. Uh, And so he's king of the world, but as it says, he's established his throne in the heavens, uh, in the invisible uh, uh, world. Uh, In Psalm 93, we read in verses 1 and 2, The Lord reigns. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord has clothed and girded himself with strength. Indeed, the world is firmly established. It will not be moved. Your throne is established from old. You are from everlasting. And so the fact that God is king and that he created this world means that this world will be sustained because it is being sustained by God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the creator of everything. And by his strength, the world is indeed held together. In Psalm 99, in verses 1 to 5, The Lord reigns, let the peoples tremble. He is enthroned above the cherubim. Let the earth shake. The Lord is great in Zion, and he is exalted above all peoples. Let them praise your great and awesome name. Holy is he. The strength of the king loves justice. You have established equity. You have executed justice and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool. Holy is he, the Lord reigns. In Psalm 123, in verse 1, To you I lift up my eyes, you who are enthroned in the heavens. And so from days of old, God has been understood as enthroned in the heavens and ruling this world. That there is an invisible world, there is a visible world. God is king of the entire visible and invisible world. In uh, Isaiah chapter 66, in verses 1 and 2, thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where then is a house that you could build for me? And where is a place that I may rest? You know, I'm just going to stop there and say, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Heaven and earth is the throne is contains the throne room of God, right? The footstool is by the throne, by the chair, the throne that God, you know, metaphorically sits in. The picture that you get is he's sitting in a, on a throne with his feet on a stool. And we see there's this amalgamation of heaven and earth where God reigns. 
And so all of this is in the Tanakh. And isn't that amazing? We often think of this as like a new covenant context or concept. But no, from time immemorial, from the beginning, God has been king, ruling this created world from the heavens, right? Uh, and uh, the fact is, uh, as these weeks go by, we'll look at some other scriptures. And as we've already said, that when God created mankind, he created us in his image and his likeness. And what he means by that, by being created in his image and likeness, is that we rule, we're like uh, sub-rule, rulers of this created uh, world, right? Uh, and so just as God is the king uh, dwelling in, in heaven, uh, he had ordained that there be a king dwelling in this world. Uh, and we know that uh, God, in the calling of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the descendants of Jacob, we read that from the tribe of Judah, one would come and indeed uh, be king sitting on his throne uh, in Jerusalem, uh, in uh, a Jerusalem, and that, that dynasty of David would indeed last forever, that ultimately one would come who would sit on the throne forever. Uh, and we read in Luke chapter 1, when the Messiah came, the angel said to Mary or Miriam to explain how it is, you know, that she's pregnant and everything. Uh, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and have a son, and you shall name him Yeshua. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And so we see this is indeed who uh, Yeshua uh, is. And so he lived his life. Uh, he died, taking our sins upon him. He rose uh, from the dead, the first fruits of the resurrection. And then 40 days later, he ascended to the right hand of the Father, uh, truly uh, taking his seat as uh, our messianic uh, king at the right hand of the uh, at the right hand of God, at the right hand of the Father. Uh, and uh, and so uh, we see that a Messiah is indeed the king. But not only the king, he is uh, really the uh, the bridge uh, between uh, the heavens and the world. When we read that God is sitting on his throne and the earth is his footstool, there is a relationship between the visible and invisible world of uh, heaven and earth. And Yeshua had to be born into the Jewish world. Uh, he, as the Messianic king, uh, had to be born uh, a descendant of David. He had to live uh, in Eretz Yisrael. But something else, he also had to be the incarnation of God in order to bridge the heaven and the earth. Uh, and, and so it makes perfect sense exactly Yeshua being the Messiah, uh, the incarnate son of God, son of man, uh, who died, who rose from the dead, uh, and who is indeed uh, the, uh, the, the, the Lord. Uh, you know, in the Gospel of John, in chapter 1, in verse 49 to 51, we read, Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, 
You are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. That's a great verse. Yeshua is called rabbi. He's called son of God. He's called king of Israel. Yeshua answered and said to him, because I said to you that I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe you shall see greater things than these? And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you shall see the heavens opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. Interesting that he says that uh, the heavens opened uh, and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. That's what he shall see. That goes back to Jacob uh, having the dream, seeing the ladder of the angels going back and forth and God speaking to him. Uh, and we see here the, the bridge between the unseen world and the seen world. Uh, and here the angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Uh, on the Son of Man. The Son of Man is indeed like the ladder. He is the bridge. Uh, in his incarnate uh, sonship uh, of being a son of Israel, a son of David, uh, and the son of and the son of man. Son of man, of course, goes back to the book of Daniel uh, in chapter seven. We don't have time to read that today, uh, but in Daniel seven we see that God comes and sits on His throne, and then it says, uh, "One like a son of man came and sat on His throne." And in the Jewish world, prior to the coming of the Messiah, there was a lot of talk about who is the son of man. If God is sitting on his throne, who is the son of man? Well, Yeshua came and cleared that up uh, about exactly who he is. He is indeed King, uh, King Messiah. Uh, and as we said last time, Peter said, he quoted Psalm 110, and he said, therefore, as a result, a Messiah, Yeshua is Messiah and King, Messiah and Lord. He is a son of David, and he is the King of David, uh, all at the at the same time. Uh, and uh, and you know it's interesting uh, in Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, uh, in the twelfth chapter, we read something uh, kind of interesting here uh, in Hebrews chapter uh, twelve. Uh, we read here about uh, uh, Yeshua sitting on his throne. You know the verse. Uh, uh, we read here that we're to fix our eyes on Yeshua, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured uh, the cross, despising the shame, and he has sat down at the uh, on the throne of God. On the throne of God. And that is uh, indeed uh, who he, uh, you know, who he says that he is. He is uh, indeed the one who sits on the throne of God. But if he's sitting on the throne of God, we might ask ourselves, boy, if, if he's really the king, why is the world so messed up? You know, well, you know, it's interesting in an earlier chapter of Hebrews, in the second chapter uh, of the book of Hebrews, we read here. Uh, in verse 5, for he did not subject to angels the world to come concerning which we are speaking. But one has testified somewhere saying, what is man that thou has remembered him? Or the son of man that thou art concerned about him? Thou hast made him for a little while lower than the angels. Thou hast crowned him with, a, with glory and honor. 
and has appointed him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. The writer of Hebrews is applying this passage about mankind specifically to Yeshua. But it's interesting what how he comments on it right after he says, Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. Then it says, For in subjecting all things to him, he left nothing that is not subject to him. Then it says, But now we do not yet see all things subjected to him. So the writer of Hebrews is acknowledging, right now we do not see all things subjected to him. And you know, a careful reading, if you go back to Psalm 110, we read in the second verse, The Lord will stretch forth thy strong scepter from Zion, saying, Rule in the midst of thine enemies. Rule in the midst of thine enemies. In other places, it talks about overcoming the enemies. But there in Psalm 110, uh, it says right there, rule in the midst of your enemies. So it infers that there that Yeshua, that the Messiah will be king while there are still uh, enemies around. And so Yeshua is indeed the king over all the earth. He's not just the king in our heart. He's not just like the king... Uh, you know, that dwells in heaven and someday he'll dwell here or, or he'll be king here. Uh, he is the king over all the earth. Uh, and that means that even though it doesn't appear that way, he is the king. Those who embrace King Messiah have the hope of eternal life in the king uh, who's taken away our sins because he died and rose from the dead. Uh, and so therefore, because he really is the king of this world, and we as Messiah followers have had our eyes supernaturally opened to him, and we embrace him as our king, we should be living in a different way than the rest of the world. Our hope is in him. We serve him. I, it's not about me. It's about him. He really is our king. But, you know, there's something even more dynamic than that. And uh, we did mention it last time. And that is not only uh, does uh, Yeshua dwell uh, at the right hand of God, sitting on the throne of God. And not only do we know him uh, here in this world, but as it says in the book of Ephesians, uh, in the second chapter, uh, in the sixth verse, that we are seated with him. In heavenly uh, uh, places, uh, as, with, as we read, we were dead in our transgressions. He made us alive together with Messiah, for by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Messiah Yeshua. And that comes via the Ruach HaKodesh. By, by receiving the Messiah, the Spirit of God comes and lives in us. And so now we have this dynamic, organic relationship with him where we are not only recognizing him as our king, but we're like spiritually connected uh, uh, to him. If you read the uh, brief piece that I sent out last Wednesday, uh, you read there uh, about how Moses went up in the cloud, Yeshua went up in the cloud, and in a way we live in the cloud with Messiah Yeshua. 
I, we're not uh, separated from him, but in a particular dynamic, organic, spiritual way, we are seated with him uh, in heavenly places. So what that means is that, you know, there are two real worlds. There's the invisible uh, world in the cloud, in the heavens, and there is the physical, a real world here. Uh, you know, we read in Colossians chapter 3 that we're called to set our minds on things above. Uh, we're, in other words, we constantly need to be reminded of this reality that we live in two worlds. We live in the unseen world and in a, re, in, in a real way, uh, and we live in the seen world, which is where we live uh, right now. Now, I don't know about you, but oftentimes the way I have thought is that, uh, you know, my main place of living is right here. And my main place of living is here, and I aspire to a heavenly life. I aspire to a life of uh, being identified uh, with the Lord. I, but may I suggest that we have it backwards uh, a little bit, that in Messiah, our primary place of residence is there. Our primary identity, our, the primary place we live in a real place is seated with him in a spiritual reality. And therefore, uh, our life uh, here uh, is a reflection of our life there. It's not the other way around. It's not that this is the main place we live and we hope to aspire to what's there. No, we live there. And therefore, everything that happens here, every experience we have, our worldview, the way we view ourselves, the way we view uh, God, the world, and, and the way we conduct ourselves should be a reflection of where we live. You know, in other words, just as if we came from another country, perhaps we speak with an accent. Perhaps we have a, a, a different way of doing things. Well, if, if uh, that is really our home, seated with Yeshua, that is how we should be conducting ourselves uh, uh, here. You know, we read in Philippians chapter 3, in verse 20, that our citizenship uh, is in heaven. But you know, it says something kind of interesting after that. Uh, in uh, Philippians, in chapter 3, in verse uh, 20, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which we uh, also eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Messiah Yeshua, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. That's an echo of Psalm 110, by the way. Uh, but so we see that our, our citizenship is in heaven, yet at the same time we live here and we're awaiting uh, the, uh, the final uh, salvation of our bodies. You know, But we live there, but we live here. And that is a reality that we need to recognize. You know, in Matthew chapter 10, uh, chapter 6, in verse 10, in what we call the Lord's Prayer, we read, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so, really, our calling as Messiah followers is to take our life up there and live it down here. That's why it's the presence of the future. Take our life seated with him now, really, in a spiritual way, uh, and 
live it down here. So we're in two places, and we look forward to the day when it all merges uh, back together. So what we see should not determine, therefore, what we see in this world should not determine our hope. What we see in this world and what we experience in this world should not determine what we trust in or what we believe. Uh, but what we believe and what we know to be true invisibly should really guide us in this visible world. You know, in a way, it's kind of like Abraham Joshua Heschel's understanding of what's called the, the pathos of God. Uh, you know, the, the emotion, the way a God carries himself and feels about this world. The prophets uh, had an experience with God, and therefore they live out the drive. They live out the emotion of God in this world. When you read Amos and Jeremiah and Isaiah and all of them, and so in Yeshua, living in heavenly places, we relate to this world with a divine pathos via the Ruach, via the Holy Spirit. I, you know, and so that makes us ask ourselves, what's our passion? What are our passions? Is, uh, you know, where do we come from? What makes us go? Uh, is it our identity in the Messiah or is it different aspects of, of our identity uh, here? Who is the king of our lives? How is it reflected? Who do we serve? Do we serve God or do we serve our culture? Is our passion uh, our rights? Is our passion even our human responsibilities? Is uh, What is our passion? What dominates our thoughts? What dominates uh, our ideas? Is it institutions? Worldly institutions? Is it con different worldly concepts, ideas? Where do our passions lie? You know, uh, I will tell you that when I'm looking on, on, on uh, Facebook, I can see where a lot of people's passions lie. Uh, you, you know, it's, it's what do we think about? What do we talk about? All that? It's where people's passions lie. And, and I hope that, uh, that over time we are cultivating a passion for being seated with God in heavenly places and taking that heavenly realm uh, and uh, living it out in this life. Uh, and in future weeks, we'll be talking about that specifically in terms of our own personal life. Uh, but we need to really ask ourselves, what shapes our opinions? What makes us tick? I can't say that with enough passion of my own. You know, uh, it's great to have different opinions, but how are our opinions shaped? And I hope it's not just our environment. And I hope it's not our culture. But I hope it is the truth of living in heavenly places uh, with uh, Yeshua. You know, uh, and so... There is the concept of him as being king in our own heart, king of our lives, shaping our own opinions, shaping our own uh, personal identity, uh, our own uh, attitudes, and so on. But, you know, he's also our king as a community. Uh, Yeshua is king of the congregation of believers. We read that he's not only the king of the world, but he is also specifically the king of Messiah followers, whether we're talking about Beth Messiah, or we're talking about the whole universal body of Messiah believers. We read about that in the book of Ephesians. He's the head of the body. He's, he is indeed our king. We've been transferred from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of his beloved son. 
There he's speaking about Messiah followers, right? Uh, and so, therefore, we have to ask ourselves, as a community, how do we conduct ourselves? Uh, are we conduct our, conducting ourselves by doing the right thing, what Yeshua would have us do? How much of the culture comes into uh, the congregation? How much of the culture is infiltrated into our ideas, uh, our decision-making, and all of it? You know, when we come together, what we like to say is, what's the right thing to do? Not just what, you know, what do people say we should do? What's the right thing to do? What's best for Beth Messiah? And may it always be, it's what is, what is the king calling us to do? As my good friend John Cantor, who visited us once, likes to say, we play for an audience of one, the king of Israel, uh, the king of, of all of us. And so not only uh, as individuals, and even uh, not only uh, as a community, but even socially, we might say, uh, that Yeshua is our uh, uh, king. Uh, and so that means uh, that as Messiah followers in this world, sometimes we could be viewed as subversive, I suppose, or, or radical, uh, because he is our king. Ultimately, he's the one whom we serve, not uh, emperors, not earthly kings, prime ministers, and presidents. Yes, we're called to obey the authorities under the kingship of God, no doubt. Uh, and we even read that we're to obey earthly authorities even if they don't measure up, right? Very important for us to, uh, to understand. But the point is, uh, is that our allegiance is to God, and that's why it is so radical. You know, in the first century, this was a real problem for believers uh, because the emperor was viewed as God. And, and if someone said, well, my God, my invisible God is my king, this would, is, would have been seen as quite subversive. Not so much in the world that we live in uh, uh, today, yet we don't always walk in lockstep uh, with the culture. And that's because our king guides our steps. And that is who uh, Yeshua uh, is. Uh, and so I hope that uh, our, uh, our, our passion leads us, yes, to engage in this world, but in a different kind of way. Uh, you know, uh, certainly uh, many people are interested in politics uh, and we have different opinions perhaps about politics, but I hope that our motive is not about being political or winning an argument or about being a Republican or about being a Democrat or who's the president or who's not the president. I hope that our, our motive is to simply live for the Lord and do the right thing and see changed lives. That's what we're about. We're about changed lives. Uh, we're about getting people to understand who the true king is and embracing the true king of this world uh, and living well. That does not mean not obeying the laws of the land. That does not mean not obeying the, you know, the, you know, the, uh, the leaders among us. Certainly the Bible is very clear <laughs> that we're to honor the king. Peter says, honor the king. We're to honor the civil authorities. Absolutely. But I hope that the way we conduct ourselves is in an edifying kind of way, not ridiculing, uh, not uh, simply making sure that everybody knows what we're against, but being edifying, leading people 
on the right path to knowing the Lord uh, and emphasizing our values, our values according to living in a heavenly realm, according to the word of God. That's what we're about. I hope is about inculcating godly values into this world, being good citizens, indeed, honoring those in authority, but being good citizens, uh, very important. In the kingship of God, our passion is not our rights, but our submission to the Messiah. And whatever that means in any given uh, uh, situation, you know, so the kingship of God means a lot. Uh, in the way that we live our lives. You know, when Paul went to prison, uh, he viewed it as another opportunity of sharing the good news and of sharing in the sufferings of the Messiah. He wasn't thinking about his rights. Yes, we value human life and we value saving lives and, and we need to be concerned about those kinds of things, but not just simply our own personal rights. Uh, our real question is, am I in submission to King Yeshua? Am I living for uh, him? Uh, and I pray that indeed we are. And so that you know, means that our mission in this world is to bring the good news, to be like the Shaliach of heaven, you know, the, uh, the representative of the heavenly place. Uh, that we bring the good news of the kingship of God ruling this world. We are his emissaries. That's what a shaliach is. We are his emissaries. We're to show the world how people in this in his kingdom live, how to operate, how to carry ourselves. And so I hope that that is indeed what we do. So just some last questions before I read a little passage of scripture and pray. Have we surrendered our lives to his kingship? Are we living in the reality, in, the, in that reality of what, we're, of what we're talking about? I hope so. Are there parts of uh, our lives uh, that, we, that we still need to, so to speak, give to the king uh, 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 to rule? You know, when we don't uh, give Yeshua, our king, our life, it brings worry and fear. Why worry and fear? Because we're in control then. You know, uh, we're the master of our destiny, or we have placed all of our eggs in the basket of human institutions, uh, and that, that would cause worry and fear. But uh, let us be who we really are and uh, really live under the authority of the rulership of God. We might also ask ourselves, what are ways for me to make a difference? How can I say with confidence Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, that God is King of the Universe. Uh, how can I make a difference in this world really believing that? And these are some great questions, and we'll be talking about that, some of the answers to those questions next week. But I wanted to close by reading one particular psalm about the kingship of God, and that is Psalm 2. I just want to read Psalm 2 and let it speak for him speak for itself. Okay. We read at the beginning, and this is so applicable to uh, our world. Why are the nations in an uproar and the peoples devising a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand. 
And the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. Let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. And then we read that uh, uh, we read, he who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. You see, God is Lord, and Yeshua, of course, is Lord of all of the kings of this world. Even if they're in rebellion, even if they're ungodly, God sits in the heavens and laughs because they are not more powerful than him. And then we read, Then he will speak to them in his anger and terrify them in his fury. And what does he say? But as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. God says that. I've installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain, King Yeshua. I will then, then King Yeshua says, the king, the established king, the son says, I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, thou art my son. Today I have begotten thee. Ask of me and I will surely give the nations as thine inheritance. The very ends of the earth is thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron, thou shalt shatter them like earthenware. Now therefore, O kings, show discernment. Take warning, O judges of the earth. Worship the Lord with reverence and rejoice with trembling. Do homage to the Son, lest he become angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are all those who take refuge in him. How blessed are those who take refuge in him, the King, Messiah Yeshua. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that Messiah is indeed our King. Thank you, Lord, that this is a reality. And I pray indeed that we would live that way. Uh, God, uh, we thank you, God, that you are the Lord of the world. You are Adon Olam, Lord of the world, King Supreme. Before anything was formed, he alone reigned. And we thank you, uh, Lord, that you are Adon Olam, the Lord of the world. You are the ultimate, uh, you are Melech HaOlam. God, may that encourage us during these days. Uh, and uh, may it give us hope. May, uh, may it motivate us, uh, and may we realize that uh, uh, no matter what we're dealing with in this life, that you are indeed our king and that you are indeed victorious, Lord. And, and so we thank you and we pray in Messiah's name. Amen.